MK Ultra, the true crime behind the notorious government conspiracy for thought control, with Paige Elmore of Reverie True Crime and me, Eric Fisk from the Fedora Chronicles. In part one of our special on chaos, Charlie Manson, the CIA, and the secret history of the 60s, Paige Elmore and I discuss one of the most sensational aspects of this story, MKUltra. According to History.com, MKUltra was a top-secret CIA project in which the agency conducted hundreds of clandestine experiments, sometimes on unwitting U.S. and Canadian citizens, to access the potential use of LSD and other drugs for mind control, information gathering, and psychological torture. Though Project MKUltra lasted from 1953 until 1973, details of the illicit program didn't become public until 1975 during a congressional investigation into widespread illegal CIA activities within the United States and around the world. Paige and I try to follow the threads that link many of the actual crimes and conspiracies from the 1950s, 60s, and 70s that were weaved together via one man, Dr. Lewis Joylon West. This is the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show's True Crime Special Edition on MK Ultra. Thanks for listening and stay tuned. Once again, here on the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show, a joint venture with Reverie True Crime is Paige Elmore. And for the folks who don't know, about by the time you hear this, it's going to be about a month ago. Paige and I did our first show together. And we were talking about <laughs> a conspira- true crime conspiracies, real conspiracies, meaning one or more people conspire to commit a crime and we got on the topic of Charlie Manson for a second. And then we were talking about Tom O'Neill's book, uh, Chaos, about uh, Charlie Manson and the origins of how did Charlie Manson become Charlie Manson. And, and we had both agreed that we were going to do another podcast on this, on this book. And then we agreed, it's, you, you just can't do just one. <laughs> That's right. So, and I don't know how, how it began. We thought that we would kind of do things a little different from all the other people who have talked about this book. We wanted to do a primer on MK Ultra, And the reason why we wanted to do this about MK Ultra is because it is probably one of the biggest true crimes committed by the United States federal government, specifically the CIA against the American people. And I set Paige off (laughs) on a mission. (laughs) You definitely did. So Paige got the book, read it in about five minutes. (laughs) I did. I just finished it yesterday. So do we want to start with your initial thoughts about the book in general or do we want to just jump right in with MKUltra? What, what do you want to do first? I think we should discuss MKUltra and kind of lead up to, what do you think? Let's just, because this is, MKUltra is such a huge topic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. And the thing is, is that 
I don't know where to begin with all of this. But before we get started, this sounds like the craziest conspiracy theory that you could possibly think of. But. But. (laughs) When you read this book, this man, Tom O'Neill, that spent 20 years putting this book together, found files that nobody was able to ever get their hands on. And what he found was so mind-blowing and just blew the top off of everything I ever thought about Charles Manson and the Manson family. And let's also be clear on this. This book, Chaos, does not exonerate Charles Manson and the, and the Manson family. Right. If anything, what Tom O'Neill has discovered in this book is far more dangerous than what we think we, we know. What Tom O'Neill has discovered through the process of doing the research for this book is that A, law enforcement may have covered up accidentally, inadvertently, other crimes that the Manson family had committed. That's Mm -hmm. number one. Number two, Tom O'Neill has followed the breadcrumbs and he has circumstantial evidence that proves that Charles Manson was part of a much bigger program or project that we're going to get into. Mm -hmm. And what is astonishing to me is after reading the book and looking through YouTube at Charlie's videos of his interviews, I had to send you everything that I was running into. Yep. Because if you don't know, you're just thinking, oh, he's just spitting out all these words. But after you read this book and you listen to his interviews, you're like, oh, my God, he's telling us everything. It's kind of in code, but he's basically telling you what happened. He even says something like, you don't want to know what I know. And I was just like, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Like, that's that's true. (laughs) Now... We're going to go down this other side path here. I read the book by Tom O'Neill, and right around the time I finished um, this book on chaos, which was suggested to me by chance, a listener of the Fedora Chronicles radio show who met me by accident at the local tire warehouse in Keene, oh New Hampshire. Gosh. This woman was like she like she saw me and says, "Hey, you're the you're the podcast guy." Oh, that is awesome. And That'll I, never happen to me. <laughs> oh, yes, so it that will. Is, that is the coolest thing ever. So this a listener had said to me, Eric, I know you love conspiracy theories. You've got to read this book by Tom O'Neill, and she was she was reading it while she was in the waiting room. And she was just like reading certain pages to me saying, that's an entire episode of your podcast right there. Truly, if we went through this book, it would be a podcast of its own. Like how you see this um, missing 
Mara Murray, these podcasts that are dedicated to certain cases. Yep. If we dissected this book, that would be what it is. <laughs> Abs- oh, absolutely. Um, I-, I think that we have at least five really good episodes about this. Oh, solid. Solid. So I I read or I finished reading Chaos by Tom O'Neill, and there's a link to it on the show page um, that I created for this specific episode. And right around the time I finished this book, um, what's his name? Stephen Kinzer wrote mm-hmm. another book called The Poisoner in Chief about MK Ultra's um, head, Dr. Sidney Goteb. Yes, now, I've been reading a lot about him. We are going to go back to April 13th 1953 mm-hmm. and originally what had started mk ultra were the claims by the u.s military that former pow's who were held in north korea and other parts of asia i assume mm-hmm. were quote brainwashed unquote Something happened to them to make them say things like these pilots had said that they were flying chemical weapons and deploying chemical weapons over the North Korean military. Mm -hmm. And, And when they came back to the United States, they had to go through some kind of a detox. And... There's there was something that just simply wasn't right about these um, former military personnel. And the Pentagon and the CIA insisted and swore that these people were, quote, brainwashed. Yes. And they wanted to know, they wanted to know what they were doing, how they were doing it, and they wanted to use it for the purpose of our military but they were practicing and experimenting on people that didn't know they were being experimented on a lot of them now there were some that did volunteer there were actually a few uh, cia agents that volunteered to do it and the most um people that volunteered were in prison because they would get extra recreational time in exchange for getting experimented on. Exactly. That's exactly that's exactly what happened. They started these experiments and they were giving the, these chemicals um or these drugs and they the victims didn't know what the drugs were. They didn't know what they were supposed to do. There was like these sort of like these blind taste tests. Whereas yes. we're going to give you these drugs and see how they react, but we're not going to tell you. We're not going to prepare you. Yeah, and they and they did it on people that they said were basically they couldn't fight. They couldn't fight it because they were either in hospitals, they were in prison, they were in mental facilities. Mostly people who could not fight back. So these are the places that they went and. There were doctors that were in on it, psychologists, psychiatrists. There were all these people that were involved. 
which is a great opening for yet another story here. And this is from an article written by Tom O'Neill and Dan Pipenbring, I think is how you pronounce his name. Um, and this was published in The Intercept. And this is like one of those giant chunks of the book that Tom O'Neill had written and, and couldn't fit it into chaos. This Again, this is from The Intercept. Inside the archive of an LSD researcher with ties to the CIA's MKUltra mind control project, Louis Joylon West, that's a name that's going to come up again later, seemed mm -hmm. to have used chemicals and hyp hypnotists liberally in his medical practice, possibly leading to the death of a child and the execution of an innocent man, again, written by Tom O'Neill and Dan Pipenbring, which I believe is how you pronounce his name. And this was published a little more than a year ago, November 24th, 2019. Um, this is the story of a man, Jimmy Shaver, who was an, uh, an airman at the Luckinland Air Force Base, in San Antonio, Texas. And he was charged and convicted with killing a three-year-old girl, Cherry, uh, Cherry Joe Horton, um, mm -hmm. whose parents had uh, left her and her brother out in the parking lot of the bar where they were they were drinking. Yes, uh, yes, I remember this. Okay. And this is a absolute, total, horrific story where they found... Um, Jimmy Shaver in close proximity to this dead girl's uh, a broken body after mm -hmm. she was raped and murdered. And Airman Shaver had no real memory about what happened. He was completely out of it. He didn't even know where he was. So what? So do you want to take over the part of the story here and explain exactly how did how did we piece together the fact that he was he may have been a one of the first early test subjects of of, of mk ultra who um committed a crime outside of the program well really all i know is basically what you just said so i don't know how he was the first unless they tested on him and just let him go to see what he would do to see to watch his behavior because that's what they did they you know they wanted to see how people would act so maybe it was to see if whatever they were trying to do would work the, and it just so happened it was a child. The crazy thing about this is that Jimmy Shaver was seeking medical treatment for migraines or for severe headaches. And he volunteered for this program. And he didn't know the name of it was. But Dr. Um, Louis Joylan West... Was, yeah, I just call him Jolly. <laughs> just let's just call him Doctor Jolly mm -hmm. for future reference. Doctor yeah. Jolly had performed these experiments on him, and during the treatment, or right after one of the treatments, allegedly, and notice how I use the word allegedly. <laughs> we'll he, use that a lot. <laughs> he raped and murdered this three-year-old girl. Yeah, and. 
we go on and this was sort of like the tip of the iceberg or the first sighting of of the uh, of this giant it's the first real sighting that we have of the of of what's what horrific things are going on inside MK Ultra. Um, yes. The Commander Base Hospital, Colonel Robert Bray, ordered a psychiatric evaluation because he looked at Airman um, Shaver and said, "There's something not right about him. He seems intoxicated." but he's not drunk. He's not mm-hmm. intoxicated with alcohol. Like what's, what's going on? What's, what's going on with him? And then under sodium pentothal, it turned out that um, Shaver said that he recalled at, um, events that happened during his childhood where he was sexually abused by an older girl called Beth Rainboat. And See, not- as you're telling me this, I start remembering, and then I completely lose it when you when you stop. But I I remember reading this. It's 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 funny how this is all sort of starting to come back, because um, it's if you're into true crime and government conspiracies and cover ups, this is like one of those stories where it's like it's so horrific. After you dwell on it for a little while, there's this part of your subconscious that says, "I can't, I can't think about this anymore." I, yeah. it, you, you, you can't imagine somebody committing a horrible crime like this. Yeah, and that the, it, it, what is scary to me, is, I know I'm jumping ahead. No, go but ahead. But when, um, the Helms guy was getting scared because of the whole Watergate scandal. And he was like, we have to get rid of every document about MK ultra. And they thought they had, except some of the files went to a different office, which is what um, Tom O'Neill was able to get. And this other guy that took them to court. Um, But there's so many things. There's thousands and thousands of files and I'm like, what the hell was in those files that we don't know? You're talking about Richard Helms, mm-hmm. who had essentially panicked during um, during a series of congressional hearings into what was going on in MK Ultra, and in the book Poisoner in Chief. Yeah, he was scared to death that they were going to investigate. And he was like, they cannot see what's been what we've been doing. In Stephen Kinzer's book, when he documents what had happened um, from the point of view of Sidney Gotteb and the entire MK Ultra team mm-hmm. d- during the 1970s, when they, they were doing all of these investigations after obviously after Watergate, because mm-hmm. wa- I mean, Watergate was a watershed moment. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm going to jump back to 19. 19- 54 in a second but one of the things that people don't seem to realize is that watergate tipped off the media news reporters saying there's something uh, there's a much bigger story going on here mm-hmm. so take so taking it back to airman shaver's trial dr jolly 
insisted that Airman Shaver was okay now. It's okay. This is a, this is a moment of temporary insanity. Mm. And don't tell me how. Don't don't tell me how I know this. But he's okay right now. Right. And, <laughs> Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people had didn't know is that this was really sort of like the the absolute total beginning of MK Ultra trying to figure out if you could brainwash people into committing horrible crimes, acts of sabotage, and then totally forget where or how they learned how to do this or who told them how to do this, who gave them the orders. Could the United States military create a super soldier that would not break under interrogation by, um, by whoever would capture him afterwards, after the, after the, uh, the crime was committed? Could you create a super soldier who could commit these horrible crimes and after they commit the crimes, not only forget who instructed them to commit these crimes, but forgot that they were ever instructed on how to do it in the first place. Mm -hmm. It would give them amnesia. And I read that if they ever were to get caught, that immediately something would trigger in their brain to automatically kill themselves. Now, there has been a lot of fiction around this entire concept. Most notably is the Manchurian candidate. Yes. Could a foreign power create um, a sleeper agent who would somehow be activated and forced to be like a robot, as it were? or a zombie, and assassinate the president. Yes. Or could this person um, turn over state secrets? Murder somebody? Mm-hmm. And then things get really weird. Yeah, <laughs> as if it wasn't already weird enough. So we know that, so, so far we know that in the early 1950s, they had these programs or this specific program, MKUltra, and many other different programs under, under this banner. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there are other experiments being committed in prisons and mentalist institutions and on military bases all over the United States and Canada. Because mm-hmm. somehow, some way, we're not really sure how this happened or how they were able to get across the northern border. There were agents within MK Ultra who were able to commit these experiments in many ways that a lot of people didn't even know at the time. Mm-hmm. They even went to someplace as famous and as prestigious as Harvard University. Very prestigious colleges and universities they they went to. Now, who, what famous MK Ultra victim went to Harvard University? Was it 
um, the Unabomber? Oh, I wish I had a bell to ring. So <laughs> there is incredible evidence, as written in one of these articles, written in the Atlantic. I'm actually wanting to make sure that there is... Now, this article in the Atlantic by um, Alston Chase, published June 2000. Harvard in the Making of the Unabomber, a series of purportedly bizarre psychological experience may have confirmed Theodore Kaczynski's still-forming belief in evil of science while he was in college. Mm-hmm. There are many people who are trying to provide the link between Ted Kaczynski, who was already... I think it was borderline schizophrenic or he was, he had some kind of mental issues. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to try and see if I can read this from fall of 1959 through the spring of 1962, Harvard psychologist led by Henry a Murray conducted a disturbing and what would now be seen as ethically indefensible experiment on 22 undergraduates. To preserve the anonymity of these student guinea pigs, experiments reserve refer to individuals by code name only. One of those students who were dubbed lawful was Theodore John Kaczynski, who would one day be known as the Unabotter, who would later mail or deliver 16 packages of bombs to scientists, academics, and over and others over 17 years, killing three people and injuring 23. Yeah, and it just makes you think um, what they were doing. uh, They ordered from, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Russia. um, The purest form of LSD that it was LSD 25, but they ordered enough like it was the most insane number that I had ever seen. It could have gone through the United States like 500 times. It was a lot. I I am not too clear on which country was the origin of LSD. I have it somewhere, but I have so much information (laughs) here. (laughs) I literally have 164 pages of information on MKUltra. Wait a minute. Say that again. I have 164 pages of information on MK Ultra. <laughs> it's unreal. <laughs> it is unreal. You sent me down this rabbit hole that I cannot get out of. Apparently, according to one of my notes here, Albert Hoffman, a chemist working for a uh, pharmaceutical, uh, Sandoff Pharmaceutical, synthesized LSD for the first time in 1938 in Basel, Switzerland, while looking for a blood stimulant. However, its hallucinogenic effects were unknown until 1943 when Hoffman accidentally consumed some LSD. It was later found that oral dose of as little as 25 micrograms equal in weight to a few grains of sand is capable of providing vivid hallucinations. So apparently it was, it was first created in, um, in Switzerland 
and other countries have sort of like taken this powerful drug and modified it to their own devices. So one of one of the formulations that you're talking about did indeed um, uh, have its origins in Russia. God, what have I done? What have I done to Paige? <laughs> Look, I've got right here. Um, the U.S. intelligence had gotten wind of the Russians testing a drug that was called. Okay. I'm going to screw this word yep. to hell and back, but it's bulbocapnine mm-hmm. or capney. I, I don't know, but it's the, I think the uh, initials are BZ. Okay. And they were testing it on people to see if they could get information out of them. This was during the Korean War. And this is like where you started about North Korea using LSD against U.S. prisoners of war as a means of interrogation, and the U.S. wanted to find a method to counteract it and basically do the same thing as well. Now, getting but back... Not, yeah, go ahead. But not, but not only LSD. They were electrocuting people. They were doing brain surgery on people. They were hypnotizing. They were sexually abusing people. They were verbally abusing them. They were abusing people in any kind of way that you can think of in your imagination. And worse, because they did things that I couldn't possibly imagine. Now, here's where things get like really, really crazy. I Mm -hmm. and I'm just reading this off of Wikipedia. Wikipedia is not the end all and be all of knowledge. Right. But but anybody can go and find this and read this for themselves. Henry Alexander Murray was an American psychologist at Harvard University, where from 1959 to 1962, he conducted a series of psychologically damaging experiments on undergraduates, one of whom was Ted Gazinsky, later known as the Unabomber. He was the director of Harvard Psychological Clinic in the School of Arts and Scientists after 1930. Murray developed a theory of personality called personology. I'm not going to. <laughs> Shit, I know. Here's a great idea. Let's give a podcast to somebody who occasionally has a speech impediment. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. There's a drinking game. There's the, have you heard of the Fedora Chronicles drinking game? Every time we fuck up a word, take a shot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's we we're we're about a half hour into this, and I bet you over half of our our listeners who are playing this game are already blacked out. <laughs> they're yeah, they're on the edge of needing to go to the hospital yep. for alcohol poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> Murray was also a co-developer with Christina Morgan of the. Theromatic Appreciation Test, which he later referred to as the second bestseller that Harvard ever published, second only to the Harvard Handbook on Music. Now, wow. he, created, he created this test to, to see if whether or not you are crazy here. You do a search for Henry Murray and MK Ultra. Mm-hmm. And of course, I actually, <laughs> I have three tabs on this already on my computer. Listen, I'm, I'm typing it in now. 
Oh, holy shit. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> All right. Now, you can find many, many articles that insist that... Did, doc- you, did you know that he, uh, Ted Kaczynski, listed his occupation as prisoner Um His publication as his 2010 manifesto is called Technological Slavery. Yep. We actually have a link to that on um, the Federal Chronicles Forbidden Library page. Amazing. And and it it, it is quite a read. And and here's the crazy thing in here. Here is the crazy thing is that many of the things that Ted Gazinski says, and I'm going to get into this later on in this episode, I hope, fingers crossed. Yeah. A lot of things that he Ted, Ted Gazinski says about the dangers of media is a lot of stuff that my dad had said on occasion and is one of the reasons why my dad insisted on not having a television in the house. Oh, yeah. My dad's cousin is like that. He is a conspiracy theorist to the maximum and he is pretty much as off the grid as i've ever seen somebody be and he was the first person that i remember telling me about chemtrails when i was younger yeah freaking me out just things he would say and i was like oh man he's just crazy but then i get older and I realize, holy shit, man, they are trying to just kill us all. They're trying to experiment on all of us. Right. The things, I don't even, in my opinion, allegedly my conspiracy is that I don't believe for one second that MKUltra didn't turn into something else and it's still happening. That's exactly what I... That's the conclusion I think that we're going to get at at the end of this episode here. But there are so many people who make the case that while there is no concrete evidence that Dr. Murray was actually a member of MKUltra, there are so many circumstantial pieces of evidence Mm -hmm. that, and I say this in air quotes, prove, unquote, that Dr. Murray actually was. It would not surprise me. I, I don't put it past him at all. So, uh, now, there are a lot of other people, other s- sort of psychotic killers, who claim to have been experimented on in one of the times that they were incarcerated. One of those people also happens to be Whitey Bulger. Yes, do we want to talk about Whitey Bulger and who he was? We definitely can. Go for it. He was in uh, the mob. Um, Not just any mob, but the Irish mob in the greater Boston area. Um, he was a crime boss and FBI informant who led the Winter Hill gang in the Winter Hill neighborhood of Somerville, Massachusetts. And it's directly northwest of Boston. Um, He fled the Boston area and went into hiding after his former FBI handler, John Connolly, tipped him off about being um, about a pending uh, RICO indictment against him. 
So he was a he was a big crime guy. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a big he was a big one. He was. He was one of the FBI's ten most wanted fugitives in 1999. And, and not only that, he was also. Um, I, I, just, I just had I just had one of those moments where I'm just kind of like my heart is beating out of my chest because I'm looking at the map right here, um, Winter Hill, um, in 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 Boston, and remembering how I broke down there one night. <laughs> oh my God! You know what though? I was listening to some podcast, and they were like, "What is it about Massachusetts and Delaware where like the weirdest things always happen there?" <laughs> That was my podcast. Was it? <laughs> Is it? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I was listening to somebody and I heard that. Uh, and, and it could have been me and you talking for all I know. My memory is shit. It, it was. <laughs> it, it was. It was us. Oh, God. See, look, listen, you have got my brain in such an entanglement over all of this stuff that I don't, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> and I swear I'm not drinking. I'm just literally out of my mind okay. from all of this MK Ultra stuff. Now, he, now he, here's, here's a, a question for you. We trust the AP, right? Associated Press, right? To, yeah, a, to mean, a small extent? I, yeah. All right. I, I read it and get some of my info from there time to time. Here is an article from the AP published this February, February 22nd, 2020. After learning of Woody Bulge's LSD test, juror has regrets. One of the, juror, uh. one of the jurors who convicted notorious crime boss James Whitey Bolger says she regrets her decision after learning that he was an unwitting participant in a government in a covert CIA experiment with LSD yeah I'm just now seeing Bolger wrote to a juror that convicted him that he would be dosed with LSD monitored by a physician and repeatedly asked would you kill would you ever kill anyone over and over and over right uh, this paragraph is very damning. Her regret stems from a cache of more than 70 letters Bulger wrote to her from prison. In some, he describes his unwitting participation in a secret CIA experiment with LSD. In a desperate search for a mind control drug in the late 1950s, the agency dosed Bulger with a powerful hallucinogen more than 50 times while he was serving his first stretch in prison, something his lawyers never brought up in a federal case. Mm -hmm. And it, and I'm not on the same article as you, but it's kind of saying the same thing. And it says that Whitey Bulger agreed to be a part of the program called MK Ultra Project in exchange for a lighter sentence. That's, oh my God. Yeah, the Irish Central did an article. Was Whitey Bulger's murderous life down to LSD testing by the CIA? Notorious Boston criminal... Whitey Bulger may have been driven to murder by LSD experiments in the 1950s, according to one of the jurors who convicted him. This is this is a follow up to the same um, AP story that we just read to you. Mm -hmm. So the the ten thousand dollar question here for um, 
for our listeners is that did the CIA and MKUltra succeed in creating murderers or killers as a part of their program? I could answer that myself and say yes. <laughs> Allegedly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other things that I wanted to also be careful of, because when I was doing uh, the show prep for this episode, I was listening to some uh, some of the audio that we have in, in our archive and listening to um, an interview with Stephen Kinsner. He talks about um, one of the side programs called Midnight Climax. Yes, this was a big one for me because it was so shocking, um, especially being a female. And I guess looking at it from that perspective of how they use sex workers, um, because they also knew that these sex workers w needed money. And so they would pay them to get their johns to come in and give them LSD while they were on the other side of a one-way mirror watching everything that they did, everything that the sex worker was doing with her client. And she would dose them up with LSD and they would just sit there and watch. And they actually installed a toilet so this guy didn't have to get up and use the bathroom. He could just sit there the whole time and watch. Which is which is pretty creepy. It is creepy as hell. And, you know, I just can't imagine being in such a position that I would take money to be in, to be a part of something like that that could ruin somebody's life and their mental state forever. And, you know, these guys had no idea they were being drugged. It's... So, it's insane. So, so far, we absolutely have to agree and have to admit that we know for a fact, an undeniable fact that the CIA had this program where they were experimenting on all kinds of people throughout the United States and Canada and had, had recruited the help of healthcare professionals and institutions all over the United States. Oh, yeah. Now, and did you, I'm sure you already know, but did you know about what they did to kids? Yeah, Ab, since I have my son in the room here with me right now, and okay. I have the headphones okay. on, wh why don't wh why don't you fill us in on that? Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't know. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay because here, just I, would, I just want to interject here while listening to um some of these interviews about MK Ultra. Um, one of my son's friends' family members were listening because they're they're playing online games, uh -huh. and some of the audio from my speakers bled through his microphone. And the family on the other end, where my son was playing these video games, were just disturbed by what they were hearing. Oh no! <laughs> oh my god! Like, like what kind of sick, twisted stuff is Harrison <laughs> listening to in the background? 
Well, children were definitely not off limits, and they were medically kidnapped for drug experimentations. Um, they would be kidnapped for child sex trafficking, and it is all quote-unquote legal in the United States, primary uh, utilizing. Well, it says that children were medically kidnapped for drug experimentation, kidnapped for child sex trafficking, and that it was all quote-unquote legal in the United States, primary utilizing child protective services and the foster care system as the pipeline to traffic these children. And it was funded in part by the Rockefeller and Ford Foundations and jointly operated by the CIA, the FBI, and the intelligence divisions of all military groups. And, I mean, it's the... I just cannot wrap my head around the government doing these things to our kids. I don't know why it's shocking to me at this point. But it's just so disgusting. Looking so at so they test yeah. they tested drugs on these kids too. Oh, they, I mean the 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 this disturbing thing is how many people that they had actually they actually abducted children, mm-hmm. plucked people off the streets, kids off the streets. Yeah, and they would take them from CPS. And they would enroll these kids in drug experiments without par- uh, parental approval or court orders. Um, however, those who conduct these drug experiments for pharmaceutical companies and those who are charged with monitoring such research do not see a problem with these recruitment methods. What? Yeah. And I'm just going to read this. This is this is from... Um, a news organization called Truth Out. Their website is truthout.org. And this is an article that was published in August 2010. Um, the Hidden Tragedy of the CIA's Experiments on Children. And I'm skipping ahead here. Mm-hmm. From, early, from early 1940s to 1953... Dr. Loretta Bender, a highly respected child neuroscientist practicing at Bellevue Hospital in New York City, experimented extensively on electric shock therapy on children who had been diagnosed with, quote, autistic schizophrenia, unquote. In all, it has been reported that Bender administrated electroconvulsive therapy on at least 100 children ranging from 3-year-old to 12-year-olds with some reports indicating that the total may be twice that number. One of the reports said that it, that inclusive of Bender's work, electroconvulsive treatment was also used on more than 500 children at Bellevue Hospital from 1942 to 1956, and then at the Creedmoor State, Hosp- State Hospital Children's Services from 1956 to 1969. Bender was a confident and a dogmatic woman who bristled at criticism, oftentimes refused to acknowledge reality even when it was um, stood out starkly before her. So, I, I mean, again, this is one of those, um, this is one of those instances where 
the CIA through MKUltra had reached out, offered funding to these institutions to commit these experiments. Later on in this article, um, it actually goes on to talk about how Dr. Bender started to um, perform more experiments with about half a dozen other doctors in the same hospital under MK under under the guidance of MK Ultra and other products um, projects under MK Ultra that had like different names. There were like sub projects under MK Ultra mm-hmm. here. Oh, there are so many. And you can go down a rabbit hole with those two, like Operation Paperclip, uh, MK Delta. Yeah, it's it's like so many. Just to There's be so many. Just to just to be sure, Oper, um, Operation Paperclip was was when the United States government took Nazi war criminals and put them to work in things like NASA and other. Um, other government organizations, including the CIA. One of the things that is written in the book, uh, Poisoner in Chief, um, MK Ultra under Dr. Stephen Gotab, who happened to be a Jew, had, wow. had recruited former Nazis who actually committed experiments on prisoners, Jewish prisoners in concentration camps to, 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 to further some of their experiments into mind and thought control. That in and of itself is, a, is, is just appalling. Yeah. And the fact that they weren't only giving these people, like when you think of LSD or acid and you think of dropping it on your tongue, they are injecting it into these people. The strongest amount like the strongest strain of LSD, they are injecting it into these people's yeah. veins. Can you even imagine? Like you were talking about Whitey Bulger earlier, and then I came across my notes just a minute ago that he said that, quote, he had total loss of appetite. He's hallucinating. The room would change shapes, hours of paranoia and feeling violent. Um, we experienced horrible periods of living nightmares and even blood coming out of the walls. Guys were turning into skeletons right in front of me. I saw a camera change into the head of a dog. I felt like I was going insane because it was him and about 10 other prisoners that were being experimented on. And he basically said that they were going crazy because they were. Yeah, they were going crazy. And, and can you imagine what you may do if you are seeing something and maybe you think it's trying to attack you? There's no telling what you would do going through this, which yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. But, you know, if they use people to experiment on other people. There's no telling what you could get someone to do on these drugs. Oh, I mean, if if you're having a, a hallucinogenic fit or something like that, you see this this demonic apparition who's out yeah. to kill you. Yeah. And you don't you don't know what what's going on. You have no idea what your subconscious is is doing to you while you're under these drugs. You could accidentally kill a, a loved one 
Exactly. Who, who, you know, or I, I don't, I don't even know how to begin trying to explain to people how horrific this is. Yeah. Because the brain surgeries, I think, are the ones that freak me out the most because they were putting, they were implanting these electric things in people's heads and they were trying to literally wipe their minds clean to know nothing so they could reprogram them. It's... It's so horrific, and some of these people died, some of them committed suicide, some of them just sustained these permanent um, injuries that they could never overcome. And it's sad that some people were living this life pretty much as vegetables or in a lot of pain. When I was a kid growing up, we had a neighbor, Patrick, and Patrick wasn't right. Patrick was a, a very mellow, very laid back, very quiet, very soft spoken guy. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that has often occurred to me is that when I was told the story of how did Patrick become Patrick, apparently, Patrick overdosed on LSD. Somebody gave him too much LSD. Wow. And apparently they gave it to him against his will. Now, we, when we first met Patrick, this was back in 1975. And Patrick had been in that state and had been in that condition for quite a few years. There are times when I wonder, could Patrick have been a, a victim of MKUltra? Right. How can you not think that? Knowing all that we have read <laughs> and all of the files are there, so it's not like we're just talking out of our asses. The federal government got sued because of all these documents that they accidentally sent to another office and they got exposed for, I think, uh, 20,000 files, maybe, that they didn't... Something huge, like a huge, ridiculous number. Yeah. Uh, um, And one of the th- there was three different hearings. And just like you, I'm just going through my notes here like crazy. Yeah, me too. I'm just like, okay, this, okay, this. Like, skipping around. And I don't know if... I hope people are keeping up because it's just so much... In the 1970s, there were three con- congressional hearings. And in one of the, 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 the church committee hearings, and I'm actually like looking it up right now, um, the church committee, formerly the United States Senate Select Committee to Study Government Operations with Respect to Intelligence Activities. Deep breath was a United Mm -hmm. States Senate Select Committee in 1975 that investigated abuses by the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, and the National Security Agency. Oh, that's a part that we forgot. We glossed over the fact that the NSA was also involved in this. Yeah, yeah. And the Federal Bureau of Investigations and the Internal Revenue Service. Chaired by Idaho Senator Frank Church, the committee was part of a series of investigations into intelligence abuses in 1975, dubbed the Year of Intelligence by the House counterpart, 
the Pike Committee, and Presidential Rockefeller Commission. The committee efforts led to the establishment of the permanent United States Select Committee on Intelligence. Now, this is the church committee is also famous for, I believe, looking into the JFK assassination. Do we want to talk about JFK for a minute? Yeah, we can. Um, Actually, one of the guys we were talking about, and there's so many names that there was one of them involved. You may be able to clear this up more than me because my notes are so scattered. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was said that he was involved. I don't know if it was Jolly or... Apparently... And this this is this is kind of jumping ahead, and we and in a future episode, we will probably be de- devoting another whole hour to this. Mm-hmm. Going back to 1961, 62, and 63, then President Jack Kennedy was do was doing his best and hitting a lot of opposition. Him and his brother both body were doing investigations into what was going on behind the doors of agencies such as the FBI under the leadership of J. Edgar Hoover and the CIA under the leadership of Alan Dulles. And while we're talking about um, MKUltra, we also got to realize is that um, the head of the CIA, Alan Dulles, Pretty much knew everything that was going on, but yeah, he kind of started it. He pretty much had said, "If the Soviets are doing mind control and thought control experiments, we should be doing the same for right. for God and country." Mm-hmm. Allegedly, and you'll notice we use that word a lot. <laughs> Allegedly, when 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 Jack and Bobby were doing their investigations into what was going on behind closed doors and all of these secret clandestine pro- programs. They were stunned and astonished and appalled at what the CIA and the FBI and the NSA were doing. And they decided that they had to break up the CIA into, quote, a thousand different pieces, unquote. Apparently, and this is all circumstantial, one of the things that appalled Jack Kennedy the most was MKUltra. And Jack Kennedy was one of the people who had said, we need to stop this. This is one of the things that we need to stop right away. Um, What is the connection between JFK and um, MKUltra? Well, beyond that, what does it have to do with the Kennedy assassination? Mm -hmm. And um, it's in my notes somewhere. You're probably you're thi- you're probably thinking about the man who killed Oswald, Jack Ruby. Well, there was a guy that was associated with MK Ultra that God, why am I thinking it's Jolly? It could he- because it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm on the right track. But he I believe he had something to do with the assassination. Because he wanted MK Ultra to stop. Up, up, apparently, allegedly, this is all allegedly, and this is a this is like going deep into conspiracy theory territory. Okay. Yeah. Allegedly, one of the reasons why 
Jack Kennedy was assassinated was because he was going to expose all of these illegal programs that were going on in Washington, D.C. and throughout the federal government. MKUltra was only one of the projects that he was going to shut down. I, as, as a J, JFK assassination conspiracy theorist, as people like to call me, it was not just one thing that caused the deep state to want to assassinate Jack Kennedy. It was a series of things. He was going to put the brakes on everything and expose everything to the American people. He was going to talk about the illegal activities of the FBI, the illegal activities of the NSA here in the United States, the illegal activities within the CIA and their clandestine programs in the United States, all of them foreign domestic, all the crap that we were doing in Southeast Asia. Yeah. He wanted to put an end to all of it. And yeah. did I also mention that he wanted to audit the Federal Reserve? He also wanted to bring troops back from Vietnam and wanted to cancel some very expensive weapons programs. There were oh, a whole yeah. so host that of reasons. That wouldn't sit well. There's a book that was that's not in my notes. There is a great book called um, JFK and the Unspeakable, Why He Died and Why It Matters by James W. Douglas. And this is the audible version. I think it's about, how many hours is it? It's, it's a, uh, let me think here. It's about close to maybe 20 hours, I believe. Wow. And it goes into all the, all the reasons why Jack Kennedy had been assassinated and what it was that people, why was he freaking people out? Why, yeah. what was he doing in Washington that that angered so many people? He wanted to cancel all of these programs. He yeah. wanted to cancel all these clandestine programs. Um, mm -hmm. So after, after Jack Kennedy was assassinated, after he was killed, the following Sunday, in front of live, in front of everybody on live television, mm -hmm. Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald in the parking garage underneath the police station where Lee Harvey Oswald had been held. And one of the people who were assigned to diagnose Jack Ruby to see if whether or not Jack Ruby was actually insane was none other than Dr. Jolie. Okay. Okay. That's the, <laughs> that's the connection. Well, see, I was reading and it and it says as a former Marine with reported ties to the Soviet Union, some believe Lee Harvey Oswald may have been an ideal candidate for MK Ultra's mind control testing. And the most shocking piece of evidence for Oswald's involvement with MKUltra took place at a press conference just hours after Kennedy's death. And then we have Jack Ruby killing off Oswald. This gets this gets this just gets crazy. This I mean, it, and it was just like if you. It, if you were to sit down with some of your most conservative members of your family and to talk to them about this and how <laughs> Do you it know is, they would be like, get the fuck out of here. 
Are you sure you're not a test subject of MK Ultra, Eric? <laughs> oh my God. But there are all these threads that connect everything together. Yeah. And it, and it just goes back to the book because some people may think that we are completely out of our minds. And yeah, we are a little. But <laughs> if you if you read the book, oh my God, to take he took twenty years and I just the commitment yeah. there is unbelievable, but I understand it. Because I could not put the book down. So right. I was understanding why he couldn't stop. And all the people that he talked to and all the people that sent him death threats over this or would not talk to him. It's like, why are you doing this if all of this is not true? Which is more about Manson than than you know what we're talking about now but <sighs> but but the the fact is is that that dr lewis jolian west is one of those threads that is interwoven into the book as well and not only into the book but he has a a, a connection to mk ultra that's undeniable yeah he it's, had something called the violence project yeah that is one of the many that's one of the many things that he was involved in mm -hmm. so this name julian west keeps coming up dr lewis julian west keeps coming up in the conversations when you're talking about crazy conspiracy theories that over let's just say over the past um 70 years Obviously, deep, 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 deeply involved in MK Ultra. Mm -hmm. There are so many links to him to all of these other projects or experiments and these clandestine um, tests that they were done done on unwitting test subjects, and then you get to um, the JFK assassination. And how he was one of the psychiatrists who has allegedly administered, quote, truth serum, mm -hmm. unquote, to Jack Ruby. Which, which is what you were talking about earlier, the um, sodium. Penethol. Yes, that is what they call the truth serum, right? Yes. Okay. Um. Dr. Jolly West, uh, he became a kind of research expert in the dissociative states, and most of his work for the CIA's MKUltra program centered on their creation. The records reveal success in creating amnesia, false memories, altered personas, pseudo-identities, and much more, all horrifying and tragic to the individuals involved. Um, he he wanted to disrupt the normal, uh, disrupt the normally integrative function of personality and render people totally subject to remote control. And it, it even says that he uh, included tarot cards, channeling of spirits, <laughs> yeah, and I'm communing sorry. with demons. I mean, this dude is nuts. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were they were crazy. 
I mean, yeah. the, I mean, the thing is, like, part of MK Ultra. Um, I don't know if it was called Operation Starlight. I don't have it in front of me right yes. now. They, they, it's like they, they they had experiments on people who claimed to have ESP. Yep. Because they thought that was going to be the next um, the next frontier in 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 warfare in the fight against communism. Mm-hmm. I have God. I've got the Frank Olson Project Unit Seven Thirty One. The Stanford Research Institute, Stargate Research, there's Starlight somewhere, but it goes into Dr. John Gittinger. Um, I mean, Jesus, UCLA Violence Project, Philip J. Hiltz, I guess when West died in 1999, um... He described West as a charismatic leader in psychiatry. Now, we should wrap this up by bringing up Charlie Manson. Yeah. And one of the things that Tom O'Neill brought up quite often in this episode, or not in this episode, one of the things that Tom O'Neill brought up in his book is that Dr. Julian West, or Dr. Dr. Lewis Julian West, was also involved when the Haight-Ashbury Free Clinic mm-hmm. that Charles Manson frequented. Yes, and the family. They and would go the there family. every day. Every day they would go there. And it's like, why would they go there every day? It's, we'll have to get in, we'll definitely have to get into that, but yeah, this guy worked at this free clinic, and they came in there every day, and it's just really fishy. There's a lot of things about this, whereas this is the perfect place to leave it as a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Because in a few- We'll have to get into it. In a future episode- where we're, we are going to be talking about this. Keeping in mind that we've dropped a lot of threads and we've left a lot of things open. It's going to be hard and it's going to be fun editing this episode. <laughs> I'm so, oh my God. I feel for you on this editing. I really do. You need to get in an airplane and get over here and sit down with me. How do we, how, how do we make sense of all of this? But the thing is, is that, but one of the, one of the things that I had said to you that when we're going to be talking about MK Ultra, one of the things that I wanted to actually, and, and how is this a true crime and why is this considered a, a true crime? This is a true crime committed against the American people. This is something that actually happened. They actually did this and they actually victimized people here in the United States and, and in institutions in Canada. This is like a North American phenomenon, as it were. And there are untold victims or an untold number of victims. Yeah, there's only a handful that we really know of. And the whole Frank Olson thing, we could get into that That, and speculate. That's and and I think that we can do an entire episode on who is or who was Frank Olson and why does he matter. Yeah. But the thing is, is that this is this is probably one of the craziest true stories that you've never heard of, because yeah. as 
um, the New York Times in the 1970s did a series of exposés on the story, and then people just seemed to choose to forget it. Mm-hmm. And it is like there's absolute, total, undeniable proof that our government abducted people, men, women, and especially children, and then went to prisons and military bases and mental institutions and performed experiments on people. We had a we had a woman who we all used to call Crazy Mary, who used to escape from the Brattleboro Retreat in Brattleboro, Vermont. And she swore and she insisted that somebody was committing these experiments on her. She said that the CIA was committing these experiments on her. And we were told if Crazy Mary knocks on your door mm-hmm. after she escapes again, call the police and have them pick her up. And it was yeah. like this is in the night this is in the late nineteen seventies, maybe early eighties, and then all of a sudden we just stopped hearing about Crazy Mary. Who knows what happened to her? Maybe she, but here's the thing. Was she really crazy or was she a victim of this? Because it's like they said, who's going to believe a mental patient or a sex worker or somebody that was in the hospital or prison? Who, who's going to believe, quote, these type of people? That's not an unfair question. And that's the reason why they picked these people is because nobody would believe them. Yeah. I mean, keeping keeping in mind, I've been um, rereading a lot of this stuff. And, and you know, what's, what's crazy is there is definitely a beginning, but when you start reading it, they bounce back and forth through the years. So it's really hard to explain it all because... You'd have to go from one story, you got to go back to the 60s. And for another story, you have to go back to the early 50s. And so it's really hard to describe to people everything that MK Ultra was or possibly allegedly still could be in a different name. Um, you know, we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Exactly. It's funny because I, I did a play on that exact phrase in a um, this week's episode of the podcast that I just released. Um, by the way, we are we recorded this on December twentieth, two thousand twenty, and um, we put we put in a lot of research into this, and I think that Paige and I tried really hard to sort of like explain to all of you people how um, this is probably one of the most one of the most horrific things our government has ever done. And we have no idea if whether or not it's still going on. One of the things that we're actually going to be talking about later is Operation Mockingbird and Vincent Mm -hmm. Buglosi's book, Helter Skelter, as an aspect of the entire Charlie Manson story, which which is far more important than a lot of people realize. This is not just about Charlie Manson and the murder of a handful of people. This yeah. is probably this is probably one of the greatest cover-ups of our of our time. And every time I say something like this is probably one of this is the craziest story you've ever heard. Yeah. And what I find interesting is 
in Charlie Manson's interviews, when they show him the Helter Skelter book, almost every time he will throw it and say, this is all bullshit. And he, I, I don't think he's lying. He said, he did say there's a little bit of truth in it, but there's a lot of bullshit. Which we're going to be getting into. Because Mm -hmm. Tom O'Neill spent an entire chapter on this very topic about how Vincent Buglosi's defense and the entire story behind the defense and his his book based upon his um, persecution Mm -hmm. on of Charlie Manson is is all fabricated on a lie. And by the way, we're not saying Charlie Manson's. Um, family. Innocent or... We're not saying that at all. Yeah. We're but saying... But there's more to it. We're saying that they are more guilty than you could possibly imagine for reasons that people are not talking about. And But I think that what you and I wanted to establish in this episode is that there's a thread between Charlie Manson, Ted Kaczynski, Whitey Bulger, and maybe the Zodiac Killer. Yes. We don't. Yeah. It's but it's all circumstantial. Right. Um, and we've we've just hit the tip of the iceberg. Is there anything else that you wanted to say about MK Ultra before we call it a night? Really, what I just want to leave off with is just remember that they frequented these people in prisons and in hospitals. And that is very important that they experimented on these people in these two particular places because that's going to be important for the book that we'll be discussing more about Charlie. Absolutely. And the family. Absolutely. Um, We're going to be getting into individual members of, of of the Manson family the origins of, of Charlie Manson, and we will definitely be coming back to MK Ultra in in future yeah. episodes. Um, I don't know where to go next. <laughs> you know? I really don't either. You know, it's it's a rabbit hole, and I would suggest to anyone to just research MK Ultra for yourself and go down that rabbit hole and just see for yourself. You know, don't take our word for it. Go look at the CIA uh, files because they are public now. A lot of them are public, and I was reading through a lot of them earlier. It's it's unbelievable, and I want to send you a link to um, all of that this, I saved. All all of this is going to be on our show page. Awesome. Yep. It's a it's a CIA.gov okay CIA.gov slash library reading room documents CIA da, 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 PDF so I'm gonna send this to you and you can you can post it on the show notes if you we want sure to. will because the thing is is that one of the things that we also have on the show page we also have things in in their own words the CIA's own words yes that we have that. This is and and I'm going to let you go because my wife is signaling me for dinner. This is the, <laughs> this is the tip of the iceberg. Truly, this, this yes. is this is the beginning of something huge, and it's and there's going to be if this topic didn't keep you up all night after you heard it, there's other stuff that definitely will. And Paige, I just I 
I, I want to thank you and I want to apologize to you. <laughs> apologize. <laughs> hey, I have been loving. Look, I cannot get enough of this. And I think this is going to be my obsession for a while. I just, I don't know. I can't put it down. And I know I have episodes for my my show to write, but I can't put this stuff down, man. It's crazy. We're going to talk to you later, Paige. All right. Have a great dinner, and thank you for having me on again. And thank you to our listeners for putting up with us. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This has been True Crime One-on-One from the Fedora Chronicles. Find out more about our podcasts on the Fedora Chronicles Network by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com, where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by simply searching for The Fedora Chronicles on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook after you found it so you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at gmail.com, are great ways to drop us a line with comments and future show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Our theme song for True Crime One-on-One is Cliffhanger by Olive Music from Premium Beat, which provided the license for the song. The Fedora Chronicles radio show and our other podcasts is edited and produced by Eric Renner King Fisk. That's me. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020. All rights reserved.